Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, life coach and companion on this beautiful journey called life. I hope you feel good. I hope you feel safe, maybe even motivated and empowered and strong about yourself and life in general. Maybe you're not feeling well at the moment. Maybe you struggle. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe your relationships are not running smoothly. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe your kids drain you. Maybe your family is exhausting. Whatever it is you're struggling with, however you feel, I hope I can bring you lightness and joy and contentment and help you to understand yourself better so that you can make decisions in the future that are in alignment with your true self. That's my biggest mission here. I want to bring you closer to yourself. Sometimes we learn stuff in our childhood, in our youth, make conclusions about outcomes and situations that are not really serving us anymore and we don't question them early enough we just keep walking with those beliefs and conclusions and see our life through that filter through that lens and I'm kind of a filter buster <laughs> I want to liberate you I want to make you feel free I want to make you feel yourself I'm also going to host workshops here soon in-person workshops Not over Zoom. I'm currently trying to find locations in Pincher Creek area in Lethbridge, Calgary, where I can invite you to join me, to listen and to interact and to, yeah, just be together, grow together and connect. I really love doing my podcast here, but you got to imagine I sit in my little studio here and speak with most of the time closed eyes into my microphone and uh, most of you give me feedback and you donate which is awesome but sometimes I just would like to shake your hand or make eye contact or just have you in the same room as me so I'm working on this I want to make this come true I'm Very dedicated, unstoppable to show up for you, men and women out there. So be excited for the future to come. And today I'm especially excited about my topic because it was inspired by a dear listener and friend. I'm not going to mention his name because uh, I forgot to ask him for permission. <laughs> But thank you so much for shooting me that question yesterday and I'm so happy to not wait any longer because I know your question and the answer to it and us discussing and you know sharing our thoughts about it later on online uh, once I publish it is uh, going to bring value to a lot of people so his question was along the lines of If I'm a provider, if I'm a leader, if I'm a strong rock in people's life and I feel drained, how do I reach out for help or how do I recharge 
my batteries? What can I do in order to still be that strong person to recuperate from the ongoing giving to situations and other people? And this is uh, not a surprise maybe to you, but a big topic in my life too, because I'm a genuine giver. I'm out there and constantly producing, creating, um, bringing together, offering. And what do I do to not burn out? But I don't want to make this about me. I want to go and introduce you to the concept of... Um, The triangle of the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. I didn't birth that idea into the world. Sorry, I forgot who was the first to introduce us to this concept. But if you are not driving, not operating machinery, close your eyes, if it's safe to do, and imagine a triangle. And imagine persecutor, victim, and rescuer at the tips. And they always keep each other in check. There's always a person to blame. There's always a victim. And there's always someone who joins in who is a rescuer. And the interesting thing about this is that sometimes you are the victim, sometimes you are the rescuer, sometimes you are the persecutor. You're not a saint, we all have our faults, and we change within these roles. And it is very interesting to observe with your friends, your family, how they are stuck in certain roles. There's people who are constantly stuck in the rescuer role. So if you grew up in a household where your siblings were constantly fighting and you were the oldest and you had to... Um, make decisions early on in your life or maybe your parents were fighting all the time and you were trying to appease them you learn fairly quickly that you are in a role of a rescuer and later on in life you will take on relationships or be attracted to people and situations that bring out the rescuer in you because we always seek out what we know because that feels comfortable Same goes for the victim. And I know some people are surprised there because why would you want to be a victim again if you grew up in an environment where you were the victim most of the time? You got attacked, you got bullied, you were made fun of. It is a role that you're used to. And that you will seek out in the future. So you will seek out people that are slightly abusive or not nice and treat you bad so that you then can feel like a victim. And I know it doesn't make any sense as an outsider, but it is really how it is. There's studies being done that people in abusive relationships have it way harder than we think to get out of these relationships and situations and not enter a new one that is similar because they are so attached to their identity. 
And this is where I want to hook into as a coach is that I find out about these dynamics in your life. And if, for example, you are the rock, if you are the rescuer, if you grew up in a situation where you had to be responsible, way more responsible than is okay for your age, and you strongly identify with that role, you will keep attracting situations and people that, um, how do you say that in English, confirm your belief, your identity. And it is only you who can change it, right? We're not going to change the people and situations around you. That is absolutely not possible ever. We can change how we react. So, and observe what kind of situation we attract. So what I will do in my coaching sessions is for the future, we will get out into observer and bird's perspective and watch you, how you react in certain situations and to who you are attracted. And this is so, so freaking interesting because you will find out so much about yourself and your patterns And as soon as you shine light on it, as soon as you become aware of it, you can change it. Before, you just feel confused and drained and taken advantage of. And that's the second point. My first point is, I want to ask you, are you so strongly attached to the rescuer identity that you cannot do differently, but Keeping, um, keeping this identity alive by putting yourself in a situation where you will keep feeling drained because there is also a pride thing involved, your ego involved, that you don't want to ask for help because people come to you to ask for help, right? You are the strong person and you have to be the rock. You cannot take care of yourself because there might be a new person calling you soon up to ask for help again because you so strongly identify with this helper uh, syndrome, so to say. And the people around you can sense that, especially the people who are always in need of something. They can smell and see in your energy and see in your physical appearance how you use your body that you are a person who wants to provide, who wants to be out there. Really, that's the case. And do you want to keep attracting people into your life that are not capable of sustaining their own life? Or do you want to attract people that need you but don't need to get rescued, right? It is on you how you choose the people who come close to you. And if your ego is stronger than your heart and keeps attracting people that make your ego feel good because you feel needed, because this is what you learned when you were little, when you were there for other people you felt needed and loved, and when you couldn't be there for anybody, then you felt neglected and bad about yourself. So we will have to look at this. How strongly do you identify with the rescuer position? Second thing I want to talk about is boundaries. 
People who strongly identify as a leader, as a supporter, as a helper, as a coach, nurses, a lot of nurses and doctors have incredibly remorse and guilt feelings when they set boundaries. A person who is not used to setting healthy boundaries feels very shitty at the start. They feel guilty. They feel horrible because they feel they're letting people down. They feel they're giving up their identity, right? Your ego is going to say, wait, 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 we are a helper. What are you doing here? Like, you can't just um, get fired, yeah, or lose your job as a rescuer. So your whole nervous system is going to enter a new realm of experiences once you start setting healthy boundaries. And I, I put an emphasis on healthy boundaries because sometimes we overdo it. We Sometimes we could really help our little neighbor there and it's not a big deal, but we overcompensate because so many other people suck energy from us, right? That's when we burn out because we are not capable of saying no to other people and to the people who are sitting right in front of us. We say no, and then it's actually, yeah, not nice and not fair. So it's it's really difficult. I get it, and I struggle with that too. But you really have to find out, be it with your coach or a strong friend who is very, you know, honest and clear with communication. Um, where are your boundaries? Where do you overextend? And why do you do it? And how can we make you feel comfortable in saying no? So first thing was, how strongly do you identify with the role as a rescuer? Second is set boundaries and really apply what you learn with your coach, right? In counseling, you usually learn oh, well, you have problems with your boundary setting and you're being given tools and then you take off and stop the counseling sessions. With your coach, you're going to be held accountable and she or he will keep giving you tools on how to stay on track, how to stay true and how to build strong relationships where you actually feel energized and not burned out. Third thing I want to address is, I mentioned it before, please be 100% aware of who you let close to your heart, who you let close into your intimacy space, and who you spend time with. Do you keep attracting people that are obviously in a situation where they need help? Do you feel sexually attracted to people who need help, who need you, because Again, what you have learned in early years is that when you feel needed, you're worthy. When you don't feel needed, when the person is independent, um, what is your job? What, what is your purpose in another person's life when you are not needed as a rescuer? So be very, very aware of who you let close. And my next point will be your worth. You are struggling with intense worthiness problems 
if you think that you are only worthy once you serve other people. And don't get me wrong here. Serving other people is a deep, um, deep part of our DNA. We are herd animals. We need each other. And there's studies coming out right now where giving love, supporting others as an individual is actually boosting your immune system more than receiving love. Isn't that so incredibly interesting? Because all we think, not all of us, but some of us is like, oh, I need to get, I need to take, I need to receive, and only then I feel loved. But the studies are coming out right now that people who are giving themselves to others and supporting others feel healthier in their mind, in their body. All this to say is you need to know why you are engaging in supporting other people. And if you have it anchored Like it in this way, um, in this situation, is the why. If you have the reason why you want to feel needed, is because otherwise you don't feel seen and valued. We have to go and change this, right? I'm not going to take away from you that you love to be a leader, but. For you to understand that your motivation, your intention to help another person, if it is anchored in your self-worth, you're also not going to help them to an extent that is good for them. Because as soon as they feel good, you will feel weird and drained. And as if you don't have a job, quote, in their life anymore. So you will start manipulate yourself out of the situation because you don't want to be with a strong person because if they don't need you, you don't feel loved. So this is the next point we're going to explore. Is your worth attached to the need of helping others? All right. Once we weed it through all this... I will also go and ask you directly, how good are you at receiving love support? How much can you surrender to your pain and admit that you're actually struggling? Because I know there's a lot of helper, rescuers, leaders out there who sometimes don't want to admit that they need help. Once you got to the point that you realize, okay, you really need help, how open are you to, you, to receive? Excuse me. Because sometimes we are so strongly identified, again, with the leader position, with the helper, 
that everything that is being offered to us, we kind of laugh at, we boil down. Ah, I don't need that. Oh yeah, I know this, right? Again, you're stuck in your ego. If you cannot receive love, receive support. And that's something where the coach would also go deeper in with you to help you be more receptive and open to receive from others. So it's a very important thing to address because it's good to blame others to not being able to help you, not capable or to simply not finding anybody out there who can help. But maybe those people are just around you, but you're not open to receive support from them because you want to be seen as the strong one among your friends. But my dear listener, if you are in this position right now, you're also missing out on a big, big point here because it is, and I know that term vulnerability is being overused, but by being vulnerable, that we're going to make that strong connection, especially with the people that we keep supporting, the people that are sometimes even dependent from us, right? Our children. If we can just admit to them, hey, I'm struggling right now, can you help me? Maybe not so much with your children because it's not so much their job to, you know, rescue you and support you, but maybe you don't need to be rescued. Maybe you just need to have somebody listen to you. But what I'm trying to say here is that you need to be open to this and surrender to your situation. And open up. And next, we're going to go and find out what are you doing right now as a self-care, pro self-care program, so to say. What, what kind of rituals do you have? Do you meditate? How do you meditate? Right? I, I have people in my life who meditate, but they do it in such an abusive way that it totally misses the point of meditation. Because their ego tells them, oh, today I meditated for two and a half hours. And yeah, do you feel better at the end of the day? Or do you feel like you had to check off that meditation point on your to-do list? Uh, same with exercising. So I'm going to go through your list of the things that you do already. And see, are these things really benefiting you, making you feel better at the end of the day? Do they make you a better person? Do they make you feel awesome physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally? Or can we tweak them a little bit, right? I'm not going to take away your habits, but I'm going to explore with you, are they good for you? And can we replace them with other practices, And then we're going to schedule in your self-care practices into a calendar. If you are somebody who, you know, schedules their days and is very organized, it is very easy to do. If you are a mom, a dad, um, a person who is not really okay with Excel sheets, then we're going to find a way there too. And we'll go with the, the feel good 
and we'll find out why a self-care is so hard for you to keep consistent with. Do you feel that it is useless? Do you feel you're taking away time from other things? Do you feel is it is selfish? And we will go through that belief that you have that um, makes you have resistance to self-care and kind of reprogram your brain because self-care is so incredibly important. And I know, I think it was in the 80s and 90s that people were bragging about, oh my God, I only got two hours of sleep. I worked until midnight and then I worked on my hobbies uh, till six in the morning. Um, no, this is so crazy abusive. And again, there's studies coming out right now where at least six to eight hours is necessary for a human being to function probably uh, healthily, I mean, over an extended time for them to not suffer heart attacks or whatever it is in their 60s. Um, and napping is even being subscribed by doctors. So it is really interesting to look into self-care and what you do right now and to see if it is really yeah good for you or if it is missing the point all right my dear friends uh thank you so much for um requesting this episode i'm very excited for every request you send in um i hope i was able to help you out to bring you value and to yeah help you make sense of yourself and how you approach life Of course, this is all very superficial. And once we are in a coaching session, it's it goes to the meat, to your core. And, and we start changing from there for the better. And yeah, I'm excited to connect with you. If we haven't already, add me on Facebook, Aurora Eggert, or on Instagram, Aurora Eggert Coaching. And uh, if you want to spare a second 15 seconds please leave me a review on apple podcast it helps me so much to get the word out there and to help people around the globe which is my my biggest dream all right i want you to be healthy i want you to be strong i want you to be your best self because those people are the most magnetic and successful people out there All right, take really good care of yourself and I will be out there very soon again.